Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Hope everyone's having a great start to their day. My name's Sharifa Momo, and I am one of the founding members of Together We Care Fountain Hills. So, on today's episode, we're going to talk about media and its role in perpetuating narratives that are essentially anti-Black. I know it sounds a bit broad, so I'm just going to narrow it down a bit. Our discussion is going to be specifically about how cinema contributes to the strong Black woman ideal and how it's destroyed our societal and cultural image. So I need you guys to listen to four things in today's episode. One, I'm going to define, identify the origin of the stereotype, and provide examples of what we see in the media today. Two, I'm going to discuss how it has stripped Black women of their femininity and youthful innocence. Three, I'm going to show you how this rooted problem has been detrimental to the mental health of millions of Black women. And last but not least, four, I'm going to conclude with what we can do to stray away from relaying this stereotype on media platforms. Now, before we jump right into that, I'd actually like to introduce four classic caricatures of Black women that I'm sure all of us have seen on screen. Uh, The first one being the Mammy. Now, this is a nurturing, friendly, always smiling Black woman that usually takes up the role of a slave or a maid. And it's made to seem as though she enjoys serving the family that she's with. Um, a, role, a movie that we see this in would be The Imitation of Life that premiered in 1959. Then we have The Jezebel. This portrays Black women as sexually insatiable and animalistic in their desires. And it's actually indirectly, I would say maybe even directly used to justify sexual assault, the sexual assault of Black women. It makes Black women seem more mature than their age and just sexually knowledgeable. A movie that we see this in would be Cleopatra Jones that premiered in 1973. Then we have The Sapphire, aka the angry black woman. Yes, a stereotype that has been tirelessly recycled for how many years now? Now, this uh, role imagines black women as irrational, quick-tempered, and often emasculating to their male counterparts. And I believe it actually reflects uh, society's fear of anger in Black women. And finally, what we're going to be focusing on in today's episode is the strong Black woman. A compelling image that depicts Black women as strong, independent, and self-sacrificing. Two movies that we see this in would be Precious and The Color Purple. Now, Regina Romero, a licensed psychologist, actually defines the stereotype in two parts, one being uh, strength and independence. The strength and independence are seen in a black woman's ability to handle all types of stressors without complaint, in her resilience, emotional containment, and self-resilience. The second part would be her role as a caretaker of others. This caretaker role is a scene in her willingness to put everyone's needs before her own. We actually see this in the movie The Help, if you remember. Um, And you just see her 
putting everyone's needs before her own, including her immediate and extended family and community members. Now, I'm sure we can all guess where the strong black woman narrative originated from. Um, All the traits are linked most consistently to slavery. Portraying black women as as, as innately strong, enabled white Southerners to justify the practice of forcing them to work the fields besides black enslaved men while simultaneously upholding beliefs of white women as weak, helpless, and in need of protection. So, you know, naturally, black mothers had to encourage their children to be strong, to be independent in order to survive. Now, the modern image of uh, a strong black woman really took place in uh, the cinema in the 1960s, because this was during the black liberation movement. And we see in movies around that time and still now traits that are just seen in every or at least the majority of black uh, women actors. So it would be, for example, just to name a few traits, not tolerating nonsense, um, strong moral compass and holding others accountable, a natural nurturer channeling strength to care for others again many times disregarding her own needs uh having to outperform white male peers in order to get even half to to get even half of what they have and maybe not even maybe uh, usually we see that they endure and overcome some kind of extreme hardship so while some of these traits are you know good or pleasantry They've created a sort of human embodiment of the saying, what kills you, what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Now, I really don't want to be a human human embodiment of that saying, because in many ways, it's going to lead me into my next point. When people see us as indestructible, as strong, as always able to get up in times as in times of adversity, these traits can play a role in the loss of perception of femininity in black women. Now, I'm going to be completely honest. I am tired of black women having to prove our womanhood. Rarely is a black woman portrayed as fragile, delicate, ladylike in movie films even, or usually. You know, I've, ha- I've actually had to go to frustrating lengths just to prove, not really prove, but prove I'm feminine and offset my blackness. So just look at Serena Williams, for example, who has many times been likened to a man alongside her older sen- uh, sister, Uh, Venus. They're both extremely beautiful, but because of their body frames, now, you know, they're correlated with uh, a man. Also take into account that dark-skinned girls are also um, correlated to being more masculine. Then we see Leslie Jones, who was subjected to outrageous racist and sexist trolling before the Ghostbusters uh, movie premiere. Then we see Simone Biles, who is 
many, many times ridiculed for her body frame and often called a man. And we have the West Virginia official uh, who considered it perfectly fine to call Michelle Obama an ape in heels. Then a five foot three inch black woman who somehow scares a tall white man so much that he murders her. One thing that all of these women have in common, they're black, dark-skinned women. Unfortunately, blackness is overwhelmingly gendered masculine. Since slavery began, black women were thought to be beasts in the field who did not need their bodies, sensibilities, and virtue protected. You know, it's extremely dehumanizing to have one's femininity questioned and then disregarded. The media has continuously broadcasted one type of personality trait to be inclusive of all black women. So much so that before someone even gets to know that particular black woman in front of them or besides them, you know, they've already deemed them under the title strong black woman, you know? So there's just so many other black women out there. There's nerdy black women, geeky black women, shy, clumsy, awkward, tomboys, so many, just like there are nerdy white women, geeky white women, shy white women. So to be subject to just one title is extremely uh, frustrating. And it's unfortunate, you know, but it seems as though the world refuses to recognize our complexity and to see that we're not defined under one single narrative. Now, this leads me into my next point of this uh, strong black woman stereotype leading to innocence lost in young black girls. I was reading an article and I'm just going to quote this. She said she had been walking through the streets of Charlotte, North Carolina during a recent protest against police brutality. And she remembered seeing two black girls, both under the age of 10, marching and holding up a Black Lives Matter uh, sign while a white woman fawned over what a good job they were doing and how proud their mother must be. And her facial expression shifted. She couldn't help but mourn the loss of their innocence. Now, why does she say this? It's because often, more than not, black women are always the first to stand at the front lines fighting for justice. For crying out loud, the Black Lives Matter movement was founded by three black women. The strong black woman narrative has stripped young black girls of their youth. Take, for instance, the viral video of Winter Armour Rogers, who was marching in a protest. You know, this girl was couldn't be any older than 10 years old. And yes, although it's good to see people coming together to support a greater cause, Please, for goodness sake, let a child be a child. Often we see black girls, especially dark-skinned black girls, thrust into this activist position. And it's stripped us of the chance to transition into womanhood. It's stripped us of 
a, you know, a certain softness or delicacy. And we're now expected to perform like superhumans while being treated as subhuman. Look at the 19-year-old activist, Aluatin Salu, a beautiful Nigerian woman, may she rest in peace, who is trying to help and change the world, but it failed her. Her community failed her. Now listen very closely. Uh, This was written by Ruth Samuel. Disregard for black women stems from the adultification of black girls. According to a 2017 University uh, of Florida study, they examined violence against black women and black girls were often perceived as needing less protection and nurturing and more knowledgeable about sex. Now, these assumptions have led to the hypersexualization of black girls in their own communities, with black men calling them fast or, oh, you're, you, you're mature for your age. And this now leads them to engage in predatory behavior. Now, institutional racial biases that claim black people are not as sensitive to pain as white people have influenced the fact that black women have the highest maternal mortality rates, dying 2.5 times more than white women in 2018. Then we have the black community that reports that one in four black girls will be assaulted before the age of 18. For every black woman who reports being assaulted, though, 15 do not. So let's just not forget the countless abducted and or missing black girls, the alarming rates of black trans women who are killed yearly due to transphobic hate crimes, and black women victims of police violence. All of this correlates to the narrative that we see played out in the media, the strong black woman narrative. All of that ties in together. All of that is related. This leads me now to my third point, how this strong black woman stereotype has, although it has a potential to be empowering, it has been detrimental to the mental health of black women. This superwoman schema has has led to many black women suppressing their emotions in fear of not being seen as strong. Now, for example, here are five elements that that uh, relate to that. One, feeling the obligation to present an image of strength. Two, feeling an obligation to suppress emotions. Three, resistance to being vulnerable. Four, a drive to succeed despite uh, limited resources. And five, feeling an obligation to help others. All five of these elements contribute when not given the proper care and mental support, all five of these can contribute to a black woman's poor mental health. I can attest to countless times that I've had to suppress my anger. I've had to suppress 
saying something in a situation that would have deemed it okay to say that something, but I suppress it in fear of being labeled another black, angry black woman. Or, you know, I've made tangible efforts to be overly nice and very, very friendly straight off the bat, even when I'm having a very bad day. And honestly, it's extremely tiring. But let me get on to some evidence. Kennesaw University conducted a qualitative qualitative, uh, study and they found many black female participants identify living up to the strong black woman image uh, means limiting their ability to seek help or express negative emotions like sadness, anger, or frustration. In addition, the majority of them voice the need to accommodate their feelings in order to appear strong. So I'm sure you listener can understand that having to mute your feelings on a daily basis can lead to severe mental problems. Um, Women talked about every day walking out of their house and putting on their armor in in anticipation of um, experiencing racial discrimination. A psychologist and colleagues found that the strong black woman image was a barrier to acknowledge depressive symptoms. Accepting the diagnosis and receiving help. One participant actually said in her early lessons about coping with adversity, she said, somebody's worse off than we are. So we have to just deal with it. So that's where the mask came in. I'm a strong black woman. So I got to be strong. And inside, I'm really breaking down. Now, you see how this narrative has forced black women and has created a mentality that, hey, I can't be seen breaking down. Hey, I can't be seen showing actual human emotion. It's healthy to, to be angry, to, to, to voice anger, to voice sadness. When you're not and when you're suppressing those emotions, it's clinically proven that you will suffer mentally. So it's clear that this narrative has subconsciously convinced many black women that their value and their worth is measured by how much strife they can overcome. Now, like Blue Telsima said, like all things in life, strength is only a positive attribute when it is balanced. Anything that is too hard becomes brittle and then ironically becomes weak again. So that's where we are as black women now. We've weakened ourselves both physically and emotionally by upholding this myth of being superhuman. Finally. Finally, what can we do to decrease the portrayal of the strong black woman narrative in media? Well, we need to suspend our belief of this impossible expectation that we should see in black women of being always being strong, of always being independent, of always being able to care for herself and others. Once we do that, once we see each person as an individual rather than through the eyes of a preconceived stereotype, 
then we can begin to see change. Then we can begin to see change in our communities. So to my black listeners, hey, it's okay if someone hurts your feelings next time, admit it. It's okay if you need help or you want to be supported the way you support others. Please, please ask for it. Next time, if there's a responsibility that's just far too heavy for you, it's okay to just put it down and step back for a minute. It's okay to let someone else do it. Let someone help you. It's okay to cry when you need it. It's okay to be angry when you feel angry. Do not suppress those emotions. So again, I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. Hope everyone has a great day and thank you for tuning in until next time.